Welcome. Thank you for joining us for this episode from Avondale Baptist Church. We are so happy to be sharing the Word of God with you and hope that this message is a blessing to you. And now, here's Brother Todd. For that. Can y'all hear me? Can y'all hear me? I'll tell y'all what. I don't know much about this thing because I don't wear it. But it's driving me crazy. Okay. Maybe I got it all together here. If I don't, I'm sorry. I'll just reach over there and grab that microphone in a minute if I have to. Okay? All right. If you got your Bible, let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We've been talking about the games. We've been talking about the race. We've been talking about running. Okay? And this morning we're going to be in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to begin in verse 3. And we're going to read verses 3 through verses 16, but we're going to concentrate on verses 11 through 16, or the verses we're going to concentrate on. The reason why I'm starting in verse 3 is because in verse 11, he starts off, he says, flee, flee these things. Well, what things is he talking about fleeing? Well, it tells us earlier in the chapter, and so that's why we're starting there, okay? So I'll tell you what, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get started. How most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you and praise you, God, for who you are. I thank you, God, for your grace, your mercy, your love, your kindness, and your goodness. And God, as we get into your word this morning, dear Lord, I pray, dear God, I pray, dear God, that you would just, you would just be honored, that you would be glorified, and that you would be praised. God, I pray, dear Lord, that you just hide me behind the cross. And God, I pray, dear Lord, that nothing I say up here this morning is, 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 is a false teaching, or God, that it's, that it's not of you. God, I pray this morning that you would just allow your Holy Spirit, God, just to move in us, Lord, and just to, to speak to us, God, at this time. And I pray, dear Lord, that you would just be with us, Father, as a church. God, I pray, dear Lord, that you would just be with those, Father, who are hurting at this time, dear Lord. Father, there are hearts that need to be mended, and there are souls that need to be saved, and there are, there are stuff that needs to be removed from our lives. And I pray, dear Lord, that you would just help us, Father, to see that and understand that this morning, dear Lord. God, Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, and we want to praise you, God, for who you are. And we thank you, God, for all that you do. For we ask these things in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Well, if you found the book of 1 Timothy, you're going to find out that Paul wrote the book of 1 Timothy. Okay? Paul wrote the book of 1 Timothy, and he wrote the book of 2 Timothy. And Paul also wrote the book of Titus. Okay? These are referred to as the pastoral epistles. Okay? These are different than any other book that Paul wrote because Paul was writing to his co-workers, okay? Timothy, if you recall, is on Paul's ministry team, okay? There's Timothy, there's Silas, there's Titus, okay? So Timothy is writing this directly to Timothy, excuse me, Paul is writing this directly to Timothy, okay? And he gives Timothy some instructions here, okay? And this is what I want to, this is where we're going to start is in verse 3, okay? It says this, It says, if anyone teaches false doctrine and does not agree with the sound teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ and with the teaching that promotes godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing, but has an unhealthy interest in disputes and arguments over words. From these come envy, quarreling, slander, evil suspicions, and consistent disagreement among people whose minds are depraved and deprived of the truth, who who imagine that godliness is the way to material gain, but godliness with contentment 
is great gain. For we, for, for we brought nothing into this world, and we will take nothing out. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires, which plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all evil, and by craving it, some have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. He says this in verse 11. He says, But you, man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you have been made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God who gave life to all and to Jesus Christ who gave a good confession before Pontius Pilate, I charge you to keep this command without fault or failure until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. God will bring this about in his own time. He is the blessed and the only sovereign King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal, who lives in approachable light, who no one can see or has seen. To him be the honor and the eternal power forever. Amen. Okay? So Paul is writing this to Timothy, and he starts off in verse 11, and he says this. He tells Timothy to flee. Okay? He tells says, Timothy, but you, man of God, flee these things. Well, what's he talking about fleeing? He's talking about fleeing sin. Okay? We are to flee sin. All right? Here, Paul gives a few examples of what sin was. Okay? He gives a few examples of what sin was that he used to flee. Okay? False teaching. All right? Flee it. Okay? Those who want to be rich. Flee the love of money. Okay? That's what Paul is telling Timothy here. You flee sin. Okay? Too many times, we don't flee sin. Okay? As a matter of fact, the world has embraced sin. Okay? And if we're not careful, we as Christians can be caught up in that. We can be caught up in saying, oh, well, this, this little bitty sin, it, it's okay. We can do it. It's, it's all right. This little bitty white lie tale. It, it's okay. It's not going to matter to me. That's not what the Bible says. God's word says you flee it. You run from it. Okay? As an athlete, there are things that athletes do not do. Okay? Whenever you're preparing to run, whenever you're preparing to do things, there are certain things that you stay away from. Okay? And I recall watching boxing matches whenever I was little. I used to love to watch boxing. Sugar Ray Leonard and Thomas Hearns and Robert, Robert Durant. Was that his name? Robert Durant. I remember watching them guys box. And I can remember the, they're videoing these guys and they're watching them and they're talking to them. And, and, and they're telling them, well, whenever I face this guy, I have to avoid his right because his right is a, he's got a hard right. And if he hits me just right, it could, could do some damage. Okay. Those boxers didn't go into the ring going, hey, I'm going to walk up to him and let him hit me. Okay? They didn't do that. They avoided things. We as Christians are to avoid sin. Okay? We're not to get caught up in it. Okay? And that's what Paul is telling Timothy here. Hey, you avoid these things. Okay? 
But not only has Paul told Timothy to avoid these things, he's told Timothy a direction to run. Okay? Paul gave Timothy and Paul told Timothy, you flee. But whenever you flee, you run this direction. You pursue these things. Okay? And what I want to ask you this morning is, how many of you out there are just running in a circle? How many times we get caught up running in a circle? Okay? We run. We take off running. But before long, where are we at? Right back around to where we were. Okay? So Paul tells Timothy, you flee these things, but you pursue these things. Okay? He goes on to tell him this. You pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, or it, should, it may say steadfastness, and gentleness. Okay? You pursue these things. All right? Righteousness, the book, of, the book of Proverbs 14. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34 tells us this. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any person. Okay? Righteousness exalts and sin disgraces. Okay? Godliness, 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 10 says this. But we have nothing to do with pointless and and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. For training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. For this reason, we labor and we strive because we have put our hope in a living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Okay? So we are to pursue, we are to pursue righteousness and we are to pursue godliness. Okay? Paul tells us there that we're going to have limited benefit being healthy. Okay? Physical. All right? But pursuing what God has told us to pursue, pursuing what God has told us to do, is not only helpful in this life, but in the life to come. Okay? Another thing he tells us to do there is love. Pursue love. 1 Corinthians 4, verses... 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8 says this. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not intolerable. And it does not keep record of wrong. Love finds no joy in the unrighteous, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never ends. Okay? Pursue these things. Righteousness. Godliness. Love. Okay? Another thing he tells us to pursue there is endurance. Or maybe steadfastness is maybe what your Bible says. Okay, 
James 5.11 says this. says, See, we count as blessed those who have endured. You have heard of Job's endurance and you have seen the outcome that the Lord brought about. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Okay? You heard last week Brother Richard talk about endurance from, from, from Hebrews chapter 1 and 2. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Run the race with endurance. Okay? Steadfastness. Okay? Run the race. All right? Another thing God, God tells us about is, tells us to pursue is gentleness. Okay? Gentleness. Ephesians 4, 1 through 2 says this, Therefore I, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing in one another with love. Okay? So there's another thing we're supposed to be running after. Gentleness. Okay? So Paul here has told Timothy, you run from this and you run to this. That's the first thing that Paul told Timothy to do. Okay? The second thing that Paul told Timothy to do is this. You fight the good fight of the faith. Notice, he's, notice, notice, notice something there. He said, fight the good fight of the faith, not of faith. Okay? The good fight of the faith is what we're studying about right now. It is gentleness, godliness. That's what we're studying right now. These, these things that Paul brought before we got into this, that is the fight of the good faith there, not of the faith. We can't fight. I, I'm sorry, y'all, but if you rely upon me for my faith, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Can I tell you that? Because there's times that I'm doing great, and there's other times where I'm like the ocean, just back and forth. Okay? So we fight the good fight of the faith that Christ has done for us, and what Christ has done for us, and what he's doing for us. Okay? Now, there's some things we have to know in order for us to fight. Okay? First thing we have to know is we have to know our competitor. Okay? Our competitor is not each other. Can I tell you that? All right? Brother Richard brought a Brother Richard brought a series not too long ago involving the armor of God. You remember that? Okay? In this in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, it said that we do not fight flesh and blood, but we fight powers and principalities okay so we have to know what we're fighting first and what we're fighting against is against those powers and those principalities in the darkness okay the second thing that we have to do is we have to be obedient okay we must be obedient in this fight all right even if it's hard Okay? Obedience at times is hard. Okay? Matthew 26, verses 36 through 39 says this. Then Jesus came to the place called Gethsemane, and he told his disciples to wait here while I go over there and pray. 
Taken along Peter and the sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, I am deeply graved and to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Going a little further, he fell to the ground on his face and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not I, but you, but your will be done. Okay? Obedience at times, y'all, is hard. Obedience at times involves suffering. If anybody tells you that this race with God is easy, and that it's going to be all roses and miracles, <laughs> uh-uh. I'm sorry, but that ain't right. If anything, it's the opposite. James, the book of James tells us about the trials and tells us about the tribulations and tells us about the trouble that we're going to have in this world. Tells us about the things that, that are going to be happening. Okay? Another way that we fight the good fight is we fight it by loving God and serving others. Galatians 5, 13 through 14 says this. For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters, not for you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only do not use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but say, but save one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? So as we're fighting this fight, there are things that we're doing, and these are the things that we're doing. Okay? Another way that we fight is we live uncompromised lives. We live uncompromised lives. Psalms 119, verse 60 says this, The entirety of your word is truth. Each of your righteous judgments endures forever. My friend, there is nothing in God's word that is not truth. Absolutely nothing. This word of God is not confusing. It's not misleading. It's not misdirecting. Okay? If anybody's confused, misled, or misdirected, it ain't God. It's us. Okay? All right. Another thing that we must do is we must make the kingdom of God and righteousness a, a, a priority. Okay? Matthew 6.33 says this, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Let me ask you this. What are you seeking after? In your race, what are you chasing? In your race, what are you running after? Are you seeking after things that God tells you to seek after? Or are you seeking after things that you want to seek after? In which direction are you running? Okay. Another thing that God told, or another thing that Paul told Timothy to do is to take hold of the eternal life. The third thing he told him to do was take hold of the eternal life. Okay? Now, whenever Paul talks about this, he's not talking about something in the future. He's talking about the present. Okay? You take hold of the eternal life. John 17, verse 3 says this. 
This is eternal life that you may know you the only true God and the one who sent Jesus Christ. That we may know the only true God, the one who sent Jesus Christ. Okay? This word here, know in the Greek, it translates to familiar with, learn to know through personal experiences. Okay? Let me ask you this. Do you have a personal experience with God? Do you know God personally? Okay? That's what I want to ask you this morning. Because you see, in order for me to know something personally, I have to have a relationship with that person. Okay? Whenever I first met my wife, okay? Whenever I first met my wife and I wanted to get to know her, how did I get to know her? Did I get to know her by going away from her every time I had the chance? No. Did I get to know her by once a week coming to church for an hour? No. How did I get to know her? I had to become part of her life. I had to spend time with her. I had to be around her. Okay? All right? Too many people today think that coming to church, you know God. That ain't the way it works, y'all. Too many people today think that, though. You know God? Oh, I go to church. Didn't ask him at church. Okay? That no, more, that, that no more lets you know God than me parking my car in a garage makes it a Cadillac. I'm just saying. Okay? To know God, you have to have a personal experience with God. Okay? And if you haven't had that personal experience with God, then chances are you don't know God. Okay? There's a difference between being a, being a participant in a race and being a fan in the stands. Okay? My question to you this morning is, are you a participant in the race that Christ has called us to run? Or are you a fan in the stands? Who thinks that coming here once an hour on Sunday in the morning and once an hour on Sunday at night and being here on Wednesday is going to get you there? What are you? Because God, the, the race that we're called to run is a race. It's not involving sitting around. What we're called to do involves running. It involves exercising. It involves doing stuff. It doesn't involve us coming in here and sitting down for one hour, uh, 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 one hour a week. It involves us. Okay? What race are you running? Okay? Colossians 3, 1 through 4 says this. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For we die and we were hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Okay? Christ has taken a hold of us. We ought to take a hold of Christ. Okay? Christ has taken a hold of us, and we are to take a hold of Christ. All right? 
Paul goes on to write this in Philippians. Most of you know this. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14 says this, Not that I have already reached the goal or I am already perfect, but I make every effort to lay hold of it because I also have been taken a hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken a hold of it, but one thing I do, forget what is behind and reach toward what is ahead. I pursue my goal and the prize promised to me by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. I want to ask you this morning, are you pursuing God's call? Are you pursuing what God called you to do? Are you fighting the fight? Are you sitting in the stands? That's my question to you this morning. I have a little video here I want to play. And I want you to watch this. Minnesota finished second in this event a year ago. She was in lane four. And Dornan is probably going to be your favorite. She actually won the NCAA championships in 2006 in the 800, but she only won one Big Ten championship in the two years. Three laps in this event, 600 meters, three times around the 200 meter track here at the field house. What a bold move by Fawn. She's looking very confident, and the Penn State runner is just running amazing today. She did win her heat in the 400, but ended up taking fourth overall. That's Fawn Dorr moving into the lead, a sophomore from Penn State. Dornerton running second. Dornerton last year scored 23 points for the Golden Gophers in their Big Ten Championship, so they're really relying on getting a lot of points from her this weekend, and she's just coming by Fondor now in the home stretch, heading into the bell lap. Oh, Dornerton falling down gets up quickly, but that's going to cost her. Lucky she wasn't injured. Her teammate just went to the front, though, so they may be able to recover from that. And Dornerton is flying down the back she stretch. Is she catching is catching up. She is going to catch Fondor, and she may catch the leaders. Wow. But she's got fun. This is a gutsy effort by Dornerton. Can't you pull it off? She's moving to third. is amazing to, to fall in a 600 i mean this is basically a sprint i mean this is an extended 400 basically to, to fall with 200 meters to go and get up and win that is unbelievable unbelievable <laughs> that's really the most exciting wow. here's the fall oh she trips on fawn's shield it looked like fawn just clipped her heel and she went down just before the bell lap fawn door had to high hurdler to avoid a collision. And she is powering down this home stretch, just doing everything she can to win this heat. God has never given up on me. 
has never given up on me. I don't know where you're at this morning. But some of us quit running. We've stopped. We've quit pursuing our love for Christ. We quit pursuing our love for others. That lady had every, that lady could have given up and she could have walked away. But she got up and she continued to run. Maybe you're here this morning and you've gotten involved in some things and there's some things going on in your life and you quit running. You've done like that lady's done. You've trembled and you stumbled and you fell. And you really don't know how to get back up and get to running again. You really don't know what to do. You're feeling some things right now like shame. You're feeling some things right now that are emotions. But can I tell you something? God is waiting at this altar. And all he wants to do is wrap his arms around you and love on you. But he can't do that unless you give him a chance. He can't do that unless you give him a chance. Hebrews 12 and 14 says this, Pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. God's desire is that every single person come to know him as Savior and as Lord. Peter, 1 Peter 3 chapter 9 tells us that. My desire is that you come to know me as Savior and as Lord. There are those of us that are here this morning and we are struggling and we are fighting and we are in a race and it is hard and I am not denying none of that. But what I want to tell you is do not give up because there is a God that loves you. And he's done everything for you that can be done. And what he's doing now is standing here waiting for you. You got two choices this morning. If you've fallen and if you stumbled, there's two choices you can make. You can either choose to remain where you're at or you can do like that lady did. You can get up and you can run to the altar. And you can meet Jesus. And he's going to take care of it.
There is nothing that you have done that God cannot forgive you for. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and as your personal Savior because you've never asked him into your heart. You've never confessed him and you've never believed that he is Lord. I want to challenge you to do that this morning. I want to challenge you to make those steps this morning. As Gary comes and as he begins to play softly, I want to share closing. In closing, I want to share this. God's word tells us very, very evident that whenever we have an encounter with Jesus, that things change. We cannot be the same whenever we encounter Christ. It doesn't work that way. I want to tell you this this morning. Do not leave here being deceived. Do not leave here being deceived. As Gary begins to play, I'm going to ask you to stand and bow your head and close your eyes. And this altar is going to be open for you to, for you to come and for you to pray. And, and if you need somebody to pray with you, I can pray with you. Or if you're a lady here and you would like for another lady to pray with you, my wife would, be, would love to pray for you. But you do what you need to do this morning.